Our guy DCaveSpartanHoops.com joins the show to talk about what he saw the first two games with the Spartans and then the Kentucky matchup in the Champions Classic. But first, hey, we've got to talk about MSU football. And we got another commit for the 2023 class as well. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, the greatest people in the world. Yes, I'm talking about you, the viewers and listeners of Watched on Spartans. That's nice. How about Locked on Spartans? The actual name of this show. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. And after we get off the stumbling blocks here, we're going to get right into the show. We got some MSU hoops talk in segments two and three. But first, hey, come on now. Still in the midst of football season, but before any of that, Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's Bet Online where the game starts. And we start this week with a big commit for the 2023 class. But before we get to him, that's right, I'm really teasing this thing right here. Uh, it was Mondays with Mel, you know, the, the press conference we all know and love that happens on a weekly basis. And nothing too crazy came out of it today, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the only notables. Are that uh, no updates on the suspended players for what happened two weeks ago in Ann Arbor. So we're still kind of playing the waiting game for that. And there is one quote that I thought was interesting. We missed this when recapping the Rutgers game, but definitely worth bringing up now, as I think it'll be important for this Saturday's game as well. Uh, This is Chris Solari, who tweeted this out. He was at the press conference today, and this was about the defensive matchup Michigan State gave Rutgers. Quote, when you get into the dime package, you get more speed on the field and have the ability to match up better. The Spartans use Xavier Henderson and Malik Spencer at the linebacker spots when going to that dime package with Brantley, Mangum, Brooks, and Ronald Williams playing the perimeter. So with Indiana, who does like to throw the ball with their new quarterback they just threw into the game last week against Ohio State in Dexter Williams, guy that's very active with his legs, I, I would not be shocked to see more dime package at all this week, and especially, too, if these suspensions are still looming over Michigan State and you can't plug in a guy like Jacoby Winman back into the linebacker spot. I mean, hey, but you still like what we do see with our actual linebackers as, just like we all expected, uh, Cal Halliday being named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week for the second time this season And obviously the second time in a row as well. He racked up 19 tackles was the official count in Saturday's game. And that is the most by a Spartan in a single game since 2004. What on earth were you doing in 2004? I'm sure I was watching the Pistons ramp up to their NBA championship season as a 6th or 7th grader. But that's that's how long it's been since a Spartan has gotten 19 tackles. So Cal Halliday... Look at you go. That's the fifth time a Spartan has one Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Jacoby Winman has the other three. So it's two Spartans have done it, but they've done it five times this season, which is quite remarkable. And speaking of remarkable, how about Mel Tucker getting a big recruit out of the Sunshine State down in Florida? And funny enough, it it is a four-star linebacker from Florida. And it's not even Mel Tucker's first four-star linebacker from Florida. Obviously, Jordan Hall committed not too long ago, about a month or two ago. I'm losing track of the time, but 
Javon Brown is also going to be joining Jordan Hall out of the Sunshine State. He is a six foot, two hundred twenty pound linebacker, the number three hundred sixty seven rated kid in the country, and that is Michigan State's ninth commit that ranks inside of the top four hundred players per twenty four seven Sports. That's where we get all of our recruiting rankings, and twenty four seven Sports also has Javon Brown as the number 29 rated linebacker in his class. And to throw a cherry on top of all that, uh, he's going to be playing in the All-American Bowl as well. That is, I believe, the second week of January. Michigan State commit by Job also playing in that game as well. Jalen Thompson also playing in an All-American game. So, hey, look at Michigan State go. And let me tell you, look at Mel Tucker go because... This is a kid that just visited last weekend to catch some Spartans versus Scarlet Knights. And if you can get a commit from a guy that has offers from Bama, Florida, Miami, Penn State, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, and has also visited Florida and Alabama, and if you can make that commit, a kid from Florida, in the same weekend he travels up to Michigan when it's 35 degrees outside and you get his verbal commitment the next day, I'll tell you what, that's a sign of a really, really strong recruiter, which is what we have in Mel Tucker. So you talk about all, all weekends for a kid from Florida to come up to enjoy some nice Michigan weather. Okay, we'll turn into a commit. So look at that. Uh, just, yeah, absolutely sensational. He will project to uh, play weak side linebacker is the assumption. This is a really speedy kid, also runs track and field, um, but this is a kid that also has a lot of football competition around him as he transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas down in Florida for his senior season. And if you don't know, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas down in Florida, in the Fort Lauderdale area, as good as they come in the Sunshine State. They are a bona fide powerhouse, and they are littered with good talent. And some of that talent on St. Thomas Aquinas is also a kid Michigan State is still after, even though he's committed to Penn State. Four-star safety King Mack. That's you talk about first name, first ballot, all name team. King Mack is teammates with Brown. Michigan State is still pursuing King Mack, despite you know his verbal commitment to Penn State, because that's just how recruiting works these days. If you're anywhere in the top 500 maybe even top 1,000 really, you're going to be hearing from all sorts of schools until National Signing Day starts in a month. We are in that final month of the season. So yes, the coaching staff doesn't just have themselves going after King Mac. They'll also have Javon Brown as well. So we'll see what kind of strings he can pull there. But regardless, big time commit for Michigan State. Just another four-star. You know, look, look at the Spartans going right now. Michigan State's class for 2023 is ranked 31st nationally per 24-7 sports. But I will add this in here as well, because rankings are predicated on how many kids you have in your class, what's their ranking, some algorithm that spits out this ranking. So right now, MSU, 31st nationally. I presume they will add seven kids, give or take two or three, either way. But this is the fun stat, is that the average recruiting ranking for Michigan State, is 15th in the country as well. In the Big Ten Conference, Michigan State sits 6th in the conference. But let's use that fun stat we just did. Let's take the average recruiting ranking, and right now Michigan State would be 3rd best in the Big Ten. Now, unfortunately, 
That's behind two other Big Ten East teams in Ohio State, who's obviously number one. Because as sure as the sun rising in the east every morning, Ohio State's going to have an incredible recruiting class. And then Penn State sits at number two for average recruit ranking as well. So, yes, outside of the top 30, just rated sixth in the Big Ten. But I think when the dust settles, Michigan State will scoot beneath that top 25 line. And I think we'll end with a fourth ranked class in the Big Ten, perhaps. I don't know. Again, a lot of dust to settle. A lot of kids... uh, are looking to get flipped from Michigan State from other coaching staff. But, hey, just like we talked about with Kane Mack, come on, Michigan State's also trying to do the same as well. There's there's so much to happen. But yet, hey, we're starting to get to so little time territory as, yeah, signing day is in December here. So there you have it. Some fun news that broke late on Sunday. Uh, and we're going to get into some basketball talk here in a second with Dave Klein of Spartan Hoops. We talk what he saw in the first two games for Michigan State. He's He's got a pretty positive outlook on the season. And then also we mix it up with the MSU versus Kentucky matchup happening in, in a matter of hours seemingly as well. But first need to talk your ear off about Simply Safe. That's right. They are the best in the business. And uh, that's not just me saying that. No, 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 no. They have earned the number one rated security system for the third straight year. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Look, we are talking about the fast protect technology that captures critical evidence, verifies the threat is real so that you can get priority police response. They take care of you top to bottom with a service that costs less than $1 a day. That is less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. So do not miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. Get 50% off. 50% 50% off of any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is their biggest discount of the year, so what are you waiting for? Jump on simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There is no safe like Simply Safe. And there is also no way to spice up your sports season. No matter what it is, hey, it could be college basketball, college football, or if you're an NFL person as well, golf season, maybe even esports, Bet Online has you taken care of because Bet Online. As you know, as you know, we've been talking about Bet Online for ages now. They are your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. That's right, <laughs> World Cup fever is going to be popping at Bet Online. And just like I said, hey, esports, they, they have everything at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, which. Boy, I hope you do. You're listening to this one right here. Uh, you can find more of those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. That is at Bet Online, where the game starts. Now let's get to our guy, Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com. Already know who this is. It's Dave Klein. Look, he's probably the reason you're tuning in because whenever Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com jumps on the microphone, greatness ensues. DK. Hey, how we doing, man? Two two games down for our Spartan Hoops team. How we feeling so far? Pretty good, you know. Like low expectations coming into the game, and then you know, up seven at half, you're thinking to yourself, "Holy shit, right. are they gonna win? Right. Are they gonna pull off this dub?" <laughs> 
go up 12. I'm like, oh, my God. I think I tweeted out, take their lunch money. I thought it was going to be a ransack the rest of the game. <laughs> right. Then we know what happened with the Kohler-Hauser front court, and it went all downhill from there. So, But I, I think a lot of optimism should be taken. I was did a little post-game Twitter spaces, and I just try to keep the positivity because ultimately I think you got to be happy by a lot of the things that you saw. And, you know, you got another tough matchup coming up and maybe you don't find a dub there either. But this is a circumstance where just the life in the general, you know, how I was viewing this team coming in, I think definitely changed after that game against Daga. And I think for the better. So I will get into it. I'm sure. I was going to say, I like that because after the game, look, I was like, I, I understand why people are, you know, happy with what happened in the game, minus the outcome. No one wants to see a loss, but they had a lot of good flashes. But I was kind of like a negative Nancy, like, yeah, they had a 12 point lead, yada, yada, yada. So good to have you on here. What yeah. was like the, the, the biggest surprise that you saw from this team that really kind of took you back? Because I have something in the back of my head, but I, I want to hear from you first. Before yeah, I... it has to be Maddie. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the Maddie Sissoko performance. He has the breakout yeah. performance. Um, you know, I, I think early on, I, you know, I watched a lot of his highlights. I didn't watch a lot of full games for him. So I thought he was going to be a little bit more polished coming in because every highlight that I saw, he's just cramming on somebody, you know, grabbing boards, yeah, blocking right. shots and cramming. And I'm like, <laughs> You know, top 40 guy, this guy's going to be, you know, kind of ready to make an impact, if not year one, then year two. He really is, like, stuck in, you know, a center spot rotation that's just choked with bodies the last couple of years, none of which had any real high-level talent. So the thought that he couldn't carve into some more minutes, I think, was really concerning. I was very, very vocal that they needed to add a transfer center. I still think that they probably should have found one because the backup spot, as we will talk about, is a little bit sketchy right now, particularly for the slate yeah. that we have ahead. But yeah. Maddie Sissoko looked really, really, really good. And I don't know if we get that level of production, but if we get that level of competency on both sides of the glass, and I just think like his general hands and his feet, like the first two years, he didn't look like a guy that could walk and chew bubble gum. And I, I say that from a, right. a perspective where I was a center. I was like, it took me a long time to grow into my body and figure that all out. It really didn't happen until like the latter part of junior year into my senior year. So I get it. It takes longer mm -hmm. for big men sometimes. But I didn't even know that the ceiling that we're going to get from him was going to be to that extent. I really thought he dominated the game and really helped control some of the offense for Michigan State, the gravity that he started drawing in the middle of the game, in the middle of the paint was incredible. The Pierre Brooks wing three um, to push us up five. I think there was maybe like eight, uh, was under eight. Um, and he hit that wing three. That's because he came up and set a high pick and roll. And the guy who was on Brooks had to sag down on Maddie because he's commanding that type of presence. And I think yeah. it's going to open up the shooting, obviously on the boat, you know, both teams shot terribly. And that was to be expected. But I think this team is going to be able to to lean on the three-point shooting this year. Uh, so I think, you know, just seeing his performance and then A.J. Hogard is the second guy for me because he's really the guy that stirs the drink. But I just liked how aggressive he was downhill. He was in yeah. the post a lot. Um, he only went two for eight from the field. He had a couple threes that he like, got caught with with five seconds left, had to shoot him. I'm completely fine with him taking that shot and rhythm, uh, kick around that he takes. That's fine. Would love to see one go down for him just because I think he needs to build his confidence there. But I love the way that he just, you know, he didn't settle. He got into the paint all game. Yeah. Eight for 10 from the free throw line, three for three from the first game. 
He's shooting almost 85%. This is a guy who's a career 62% free throw shooter. If he can shoot this like in the, the low to mid 70s, it's a huge boon because he's a guy to me that can get there five, six times a game easy as long as he brings that mindset. And between the two of them, when you have a stable one in five position, a lot of good can happen. And the guys that are around them are then playing more of a supplementary role where you're you're looking them to score off um, open actions that you're going to get from just the pick and roll in the middle. So I am really, really happy. I thought that they had more of an identity than I've seen in the past two years. Yeah. They really yeah. imposed their will um, on the glass that first half. And then we kind of saw that slip a little bit when we got into some foul trouble. But I think all around, I was really, really encouraged by the one in the five spot. And to me, that raises the floor for Michigan State, which I wasn't so certain was that safe. But Maddie makes that a lot safer, even if he doesn't quite play to this level. Give me 70, 80 percent of that. And I think that he's going to be a good enough center to be able to compete in the Big Ten. So what are you feeling here for the rest of this gauntlet? Because we hear the question all the time. I'm sure you hear the question all the time. Like it's obviously Gonzaga, the Kentucky, Villanova, the PK-85, Notre Dame, if you want to throw them in. Like, what's the yeah. ideal? It can either be a record, I guess, or just something that you see where you get out of this two, three week stretch and you're like, hey, that actually went pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, what is yeah. it for you? Is it a number? Or is I mean, it just I what would have loved, loved for them to split one of the two between Gonzaga and Kentucky. I think yeah. that's the biggest, like, you just had that where I think we talked about it, but that's, that's a seed line mover. That's a feather yeah. in the cap that when it comes time to selection Sunday, you're getting moved up a line because you beat Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I honestly think that Kentucky is an all around better and deeper team than Gonzaga and maybe by like okay. a reasonable margin. So I'm kind of, of, of the opinion that Gonzaga maybe is a little bit overrated coming into the season. Um, you heard about the Tennessee kind of blowout game and then Tennessee loses to Colorado who lost to Grand right. Like it, there's so much <laughs> right. anarchy going in college basketball. We're, we're not even into the full first week really. So I think that this season is going to be really up and down. I think that Kentucky for me is maybe on the same par as a Baylor and a Houston. They're really the three teams that I've circled that I think are the true national contenders just from an eye test. It's obviously so, so early. But if I'm looking yeah, at right. the depth of talent and just the quality that they have, I think Kentucky pound for pound is one of the best teams in the country. Um, usually at this point in the season, he's relying on so many freshmen. And so there's always a bit of a learning curve. They're athletic. They're always talented. He recruits either number one or two almost every year. Right. I like the freshmen a lot. Cason Wallace, who's a point guard slash like scoring guard for them when Wheeler's been out, stud two-way guy I think he's you know long term at least in college I think he's going to be better because he plays on both sides of the ball than what we saw from Ty Ty Washington last year they're long they're athletic Jacob Toppin's back for another year he looks like he's ready to, to kind of have a big boost they, they just have a lot of older players CJ Frederick from Iowa after having two years yeah. um, you know being banged up he looks like he's back and healthy and he's shooting the snot out of the ball they grabbed a guy Antonio Reeves uh, same thing. They have now two high volume shooters who are shooting at high percentages. The thing with Kentucky is when he constructs his roster, usually he leans more towards going athletic, um, you know, rebounding well, playing defense well, but the, the skill isn't always as high as probably mm -hmm. like it. I think that's probably been one of the gripes from the fan base. That's not the case this year. They have two guys who are knockdown shooters. They've played them at spots uh, on the court at the same time. 
and Michigan State has to protect both the paint and the perimeter from this team. Um, they're they're going to cause some problems. They're long. They're athletic. They're everything that you think of in a Kentucky team, and now they can shoot. I think this is one of the best squads he's put together in the last five years. I really do. So I don't think there's going to be a shame if we end up taking an L. Um, but God damn, I want it. I want I this one really bad. So I know. I yeah. Know. So I didn't answer your question per se. Um, what oh, do I sure want to see did. from them? I, yeah. I want to see them again be extremely competitive in this game. If you go toe to toe, I don't know if Gonzaga is a top five team, but I think they're a top ten team. So okay. if you go toe to toe again with a top five team, with a top ten team in back to back games, to me, you're never going to have a tougher schedule than what you did when go playing out in San Diego on an aircraft carrier and then playing in Indy against Kentucky yeah. in back to back <laughs> games anywhere on the Big Ten schedule. So no. if you can get through this and be competitive and maybe find a way to get out a win, I think that even with some of the stretch that they have in the Big Ten season, uh, they can string some wins together. So I, I'm really just keeping an eye on the continued growth from some of the younger guys. Uh, is Jaden Aikens going to get 100% healthy? Once he does, is he going to raise the ceiling? Can Maddie continue to keep it up? Uh, is AJ going to settle in? I, I think that Pierre Brooks has obviously flashed some nice stuff. Is he going to grow? There's some nice storylines to watch. They've got to find a way to get some wins. Uh, Villanova yep. ended up losing to Temple. They're down two of their guys. Cam Whitmore, who's a lottery pick, um, has, I think, he like fractured his thumb or something. So I don't know if he's going to be back in time. I'm really kind of hoping that he's not because we need that dub. I'm going to the game, so hopefully bringing <laughs> right. some luck. Hey, now. Hey, now. And then the PK-85, it's tough. You know, you're, you beat – Alabama, then you have a chance to play. I think UConn and God, I can't Oregon. Or is UConn Oregon? and Oregon, and then yeah. I think UNC's on that side of the bracket. And Nova is too. If somehow they were to get some guys yeah, back, Iowa State, maybe yeah. make a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's it's a gauntlet. They're going to have to find some wins. You gotta you gotta get the wins that you're expected to. And to me, if you're just looking at the next few games, the win at home against Villanova has to be circled. You know, the scheduling just doesn't allow for much room for breathing. And so you need to see, is this team capable not only physically but mentally being able to hang in there when you're going to have some L's on the schedule. You can't let that really deter you because next opponent is uh, another chance for a Q1 win, a quality win that you can look again towards March. And so you got to have a short memory during this stretch, got to continue to improve. But I'm generally optimistic more so – after the Gonzaga game than I was before. I think there's still some question marks, obviously, but I think that you have to be encouraged by what you saw. So as far as like things I want to see on Tuesday is Jaden Akins, you know, have a solid game and look the first game that he had Northern Arizona. Okay. That's his first game action coming off the surgery. Look, the aircraft carrier game. Yeah. I didn't have a good shooting day, but who are you going to beat up for having a bad shooting day on the carrier? Everyone had a bad shooting day on both sides. But now are we starting to get to the point three games in where it's like, okay, now we're going to want to start seeing stuff, AKA I kind of have to stop making excuses for him after this game. Right. Is is that kind of where you're at? I don't know if I'm there. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there yet because he had surgery September 10th. So he basically didn't play for the better part of six, seven weeks. Then he started practicing, but he wasn't allowed to go full in drills. The first weekend that he was able to go live was before that NASU game on Monday. So he's had like, he hasn't even had a week of practice yet. So it's tough for me to just be like, all right, guys, it's like, it's time, man. Like, come on. You know, I think that's probably going to take him the better part of this month to really get back up to speed. 
I'd like to see some incremental progress as we go, both scoring wise and just the way that he's that he's looked in his comfort level. He's played good defense. He had a couple steals, a couple breakaways um, that game. He hit a three. I think that he has taken a lot of shots, and I like that he's had the green light. So that's encouraging. He's looked comfortable doing it, even though they haven't quite gone in yet for him. I think that his explosion has still looked there. He's looked maybe just a little bit hesitant sometimes. Um, and I think that's just going to come with it. You know, you have a foot surgery that's just so much pressure that you're putting on that part of your body, particularly in basketball, to, to 100% trust it, I think is mentally going to take him a few weeks to be able to do it. But uh, again, Michigan State can't really afford to have too many L's here if they want to avoid an uncomfortable, yeah. you know, selection Sunday. So it's one of these things where I'm definitely giving him a grace period, but I'm hoping that it's sooner than later because. When he's back and he's healthy, I think he he exponentially raises the ceiling for Michigan State. And I just think they're a better team when he's on the floor. I really do. No doubt about that. And you know what? Just jumping back to the Kentucky game, I totally you know don't want to miss this name at all. But Oscar Shibwe for Kentucky has not played yeah. in their first two games. He also had a procedure done in the offseason. And Coach Cal, I believe it was after their game against Duquesne, said he doesn't know if Shibwe will be playing on Tuesday. It, how, how much does that change your expectation of the game then? Is it a situation where mm. if he doesn't play, then, okay, you're borderline expecting MSU to win? Or is Kentucky just so good everywhere else? Yeah, I like think, you I think that they have the depth to do it. So he's right now where sure, is okay. starting, <laughs> who's like 6'9", 230. He's more of like a, a power forward, but he can't – I don't think he stretches it really. So, um, But he's yeah. athletic. Uh, he's not a guy that you're going to have to worry about like beating you up in the post. Uh, they have a five-star freshman who's a seven-footer, and he's built like a uh, you know a five-star. So yeah, he he's coming in. I think he struggled the first game. I think he had nine and ten against Duquesne. Obviously, they didn't really have like a traditional center either. But so they have some depth in the front court still. This isn't like you know obviously you're missing the national player of the year, so you're hoping that there's some advantage that's that's being gained. I think there clearly is. But if he doesn't go, I don't know if it changes it to a, like a you have to win type of game for me because I just think that really the strength of this team this year is their depth. Uh, I think they're going to defend really, really well. And so they're going to be able to lean on to some things where maybe they can't score as well inside as they could when he's there. And they're not going to clean up the glass quite to the level. So I think Maddie has maybe a little bit of an advantage there. But um, it's not going to really change my outlook because I, I think they're that good this year. So, gotcha. Dang it. Well, that's, that's sorry. It's a bummer to hear. But uh, you know what? You shoot a straight. You're never one to to fluff anything up. And yeah, yeah. Like Kentucky again. It's it's just like we're talking about Gonzaga. Like they're a top five team in the nation for a reason. You know, this isn't a mistake. Yeah. So, with that said, though, before the Gonzaga game, look, we talked with Andy Patton of Locked On Zags, and he said if there's any hole to exploit, it's that. It's not really a post presence for Gonzaga defensively. So maybe, I don't know, you have a big man that goes off. Yeah. Well, you did with Monty Sissoko. Do you see any holes here for Kentucky? Because I, traditionally with a Kentucky team, it, it is the fact that, well, shooting doesn't necessarily go great for them a lot of the time. But uh, obviously they've shored those this issues year up. So I, don't think I think both one. games they've shot above 50%. So it's, it's, that's it's not terrible. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And they have two guards that are going to get up in your shit, both Case and Wallace and Severe Wheeler. Yeah. It really is. Uh, it's almost going to be like that Spider-Man meme where AJ right. and him are pointing <laughs> at each other because neither guy is really a shooter. They're big kind of downhill guards. 
pass yep. first type point guards. So that matchup is one I'm circling because I'm really curious to see how they look against each other. Um, I, I don't know who Joey Hauser's guard in this game. I'm just going to be honest with you. They've been starting a freshman. I, I think he's a five-star too. I'm sure he is. Chris yeah. Livingston. Um, he, I, he wasn't to me pegged as a shooter. He's knocked down a couple shots, but he's athletic. I think he's going to cause maybe Joey some fits. Um, so Michigan State's going to have to really – I think the thing that I learned maybe the most is I think that the best version of Michigan State when it comes down to crunch time and just line up on the floor may not have Joey Hauser on it. And okay. this is obviously first game. He scores 18 and 10. When he plays somebody that's you know a, a, a similar athletic quality to him, like we've seen him pop off against Wisconsin. We saw what he did in the tournament last year against Davidson. When he plays guys of similar athletic ability, he's a stud. He, he knows exactly what to do, where to go. He can score it. But we saw last night, or I should say on Friday night, if his jumper isn't falling, what is he giving you on either side of the ball? And I think that that's where it starts getting a little hairy. We absolutely needed him. We needed him to come back this year, particularly with some of the attrition that's had. So this isn't, I don't, I don't want this to sound like complete hatred, mm -hmm. but I think that the best lineup and the best position for Hall is when he slid to the four. I think that eventually when Aikens comes back, to me, it's got to be um, AJ, Tyson, Aikens, Hall, Sissoko. I think that's your best five. I think Pierre Brooks, even to a certain extent, can maybe give you a little bit more than what Hauser can to a certain degree. And I like when he comes in and plays a small four because, again, it bumps down Hall to maybe his more natural position at the power forward. So that's something to monitor. The staff really loves Joey. I know Izzo's a big, big Joey guy. So yep. I'm just going to kind of keep my pulse on that because I thought they, they went with him a little bit too long um, in this game, and it, it ended up hurting them in the long run. And then we haven't really touched on it, but Kohler, I mean, Kohler looked like a freshman. And yep. he's a guy that we had pretty large expectations for coming into the season. I think he's still going to be able to give you something solid. But is it going to be in this first month? Like, I think him getting up to speed is one of the bigger question marks that I have, too, because right now he looks just a little bit slow. And we kind of knew that coming in. Um, but we thought that the offensive ability was going to be able to be something he could lean on and kind of at least say, well, yeah, you're going to give up some stuff defensively, but offensively he can give you so much. We haven't quite seen it. He hasn't looked comfortable in the double. Um, he's, he's kind of just been playing a little bit timid and wasn't particularly confident. And so we need him to be the best version of himself because if you don't, uh, where are you going if Maddie gets into foul trouble? <laughs> he's probably only going to play 20 minutes per game. So you got fits yeah. behind him that you're going to have to find a way to fill. I don't know what the answer is for that right now. Uh, whether it's to play small and you move Hauser to the five and at least maybe you're creating a perimeter advantage with him, you get beat up in the paint, but I think you still are with Kohler anyways, so maybe you lean towards the offensive advantage. Uh, but that's a, that's a big question mark and something that I would have liked to see them address in the, in the portal this offseason, but here we are. Um, hopefully know. Carson Cooper can get out of the doghouse because even if he would have been able to play three, four minutes, I think we would have maybe got just a little bit better defensive presence out of him. And uh, from Izzo's post-game comments, it sounded like he, um, you know, what's what's that like meme or the picture, whatever, F around and find out. I think he, he F around <laughs> in warm-ups or whatever he was doing in the morning. He found out that Izzo really doesn't care. He'd rather go down with a ship than play a guy that pissed him off. So, yeah, let's yeah. let's hope that yeah. changes as well. <laughs>
Yeah, no, I hear you. And you know what? What better way to get you into the Champions Classic than with DK of SpartanHoops.com. DK, as always, cannot thank you enough for your generosity with your time, your knowledge, and just your great looks, too. Hey, this is a YouTube show that people appreciate it as well. You're the man, DK. Where can the people find you? Just so they could yell at you or agree with you. Yeah, SpartanHoops underscore DK at Twitter. And SpartanHoops.com. I'm mean, just going to post probably tomorrow morning an article with some takeaways on film and just my general thoughts on uh, a few of the positions. So I'll have that out in the Gonzaga game. This is going to probably be the preview for UK. I'm traveling for work the next two days, so that's going to be a little difficult. But I should have something out uh, for the Nova game, too. So I don't know. It's another big one, man. At the very least, you know, it's nice to see just us on the national stage over and over again because – um, again, we need to look at this year as a building foundation for the gross amount of talent that's coming in next yes. year. we got to be optimistic. Yes. So while we want to win and make a second weekend this year and compete in the Big Ten, there are reinforcements on the way. So keep your chins up out there, all right? I love that. Love that pep talk. Let's go. And thank you, everyone, for giving us a watch or giving us a listen. We will be back tomorrow, of course. Going to recap the game, whatever happens against the Wildcats. And also, Stephen Brooks will be joining us as well to talk about all things football. We got you covered here. Come on. You know where to find all your state news right here locked on Spartans. Go enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your week. Love you all. Go Green.